classics this week and we have some fan requests always happy to do them they said can't you uh, you say in your profile that you interviewed everyone from Arnold Schwarzenegger's stuntman to Nicolas Cage's stand-in uh, that's true so in the classics this week we bring you in the first of this uh, little double bill of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's stuntman and Nicolas Cage's stand-in we'll start with Nicolas Cage's stand-in and uh, here is uh, my chat, Marco Kairos. He uh, is also the uh, producer of uh, podcast Babble Bullshit and Beyond. And he also made a short film, Uncaged, a stand-in story. During his time, of course, he was uh, Nick Cage's stand-in on films like Snake Eyes, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, Bringing Out the Dead, all of the, uh, all of the big ones before Nick turned into a, uh, a VOD machine. So here he is, give him a big round of applause, my chat with Marco Kairos. Good, good, good. That's quite an intro there. Thank you very much, mate. Listen, Marco, since your last name is Kairos, that's right, Kairos is pronounced? Kairos? Yeah, well, some people say Kairos, some people say Kyrus. I think both are correct, okay. and I'm... I'm fine with both. Okay, funny, funny question, off the wall question. When you were doing Snake Eyes, you know how there was that character called Cyrus, and he's like, "Hey, Cyrus." Mm -hmm. When you came on the set, Cy yeah, yeah, that was in Snake Eyes. Yeah, and there was also Cyrus in uh, Con Air, I believe. Yeah, Cyrus. Yeah, but when 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 uh, Nick was doing that line, and you came on, did he ever go, "Hey, Cyrus," because you know you're, you know. Uh, that didn't happen. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, those things didn't happen. Sorry. That was okay. cute, but it didn't work. That's okay. Okay. No, no, I just I just figured, you know, you you spent, uh, you know, so many years being his uh, standard. I remember I spoke to last year, I spoke to Peter Kent, who was Arnold Schwarzenegger's stuntman for about the, hmm. time, for about the same length of time that you were Nick's stand-in. Um, so I was with Nick for 10 years. 10 years. Just yeah. to clarify that, 10 yeah, years. 10 years, exactly, yeah. Starting off, um, what was it? Trapped in Paradise was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, a small, quirky comedy called Trapped in Paradise. Yeah. That's correct. So anyway, before we get into the, the, the meat of the whole Nicolas uh, Cage connection and uh, what looks like a really cool little documentary that you've done as well, which we'll talk about in a minute, mm -hmm. um, for the listening audience that haven't heard, don't know, have no clue who you are, um, could you give us like a little, you know, just a little mini bio, if you will, um, tell the audience, uh, you know, where you come from and how you got into the profession which led to, you know, being, uh, you know, where you're at right now? Yeah, um, so like like many people, uh, you kind of drift through life and just try to do things and people say, oh, I think I'm just going to become an actor because you think you you may be good enough to be on camera and kind of look good and maybe say a couple of lines. And so I, I made my way into Hollywood doing that stuff, which uh, a lot of people did, you know, silly stuff. And uh, I ended up being uh, one of those non-committed actors in L.A. in the uh, mid-1980s. And, of course, uh, that results in failure, which is kind of like how it works when you're not that committed. So I made my way back home, which is in Toronto. I was born and raised in Toronto. 
of uh, the Greek immigrant parents. And, um, and while I came back, I was working as a waiter, which I was prior to that in Los Angeles and as a maitre d'. And, uh, and it was a rough time because it was the 90s, so there were minimal jobs available. So I just, uh, I, you know, I was just a waiter. And um, I, uh, I signed up with an extras agency, and that extras agency um, sent me out to a, a go-see, an audition, to be a stand-in for Nick Cage. And, of course, I've never done that before, uh, as most actors have never been a stand-in before. But I wasn't really acting. I was just kind of like this loser guy as a waiter thinking that he may be an actor, but the truth is, Kent, I really wasn't that guy. So I went in for the audition, and I got the part as uh, Nick Cage's uh, stand-in and a photo double, uh, which was in Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is um, a, a, a town just outside of Niagara Falls, Ontario, a two-hour drive from Toronto. It was the middle of the winter. It was freezing cold, typical minus 20, frozen tundra, that whole thing. Other than it was a very pretty town, the conditions were miserable because you're just freezing to death. And I'd never done this before, so I was learning on the, you know, learning the ropes while I was in the snowbanks. And um, one thing led to the next, I kind of saw that things were not flowing the way I thought that they would naturally flow. And uh, I started uh, to kind of like, you know, once the director, sometimes the director or the cinematographer, the camera operators don't speak to the um, actors directly in terms of where their marks are, um, uh, or where the angles are, or sometimes some camera lenses. And uh, and so I kind of stepped up and uh, and told Nick, what the marks were and uh, what, the, what the camera lenses were and if they were shooting a medium shot or a close-up or a wide shot or where the shot ends. I kind of took it on upon myself to be that person just because it added a little more excitement for me to be a stand-in on set, which was really quite boring. And uh, I, I felt like it was the right thing to do, and, and they allowed me to do it, being the director and the cinematographer guys. And, uh, and Nick appreciated it. So within a month that I was working with him, he and his assistant asked me to go into his trailer and have a little conversation uh, about uh, my work on a film set and who I was, kind of like a mini bio. Yeah. I gave him my little mini bio. Of course, I was shitting bricks thinking that I'm going to get fired. You know, I was a lot younger <laughs> and I needed the money. And um, and what it, what it really was, was he wanted me uh, to travel with him as, as he was building up an entourage and his hair and makeup people and assistants. And as this was, as he was, grooming himself to be a superstar, which obviously he became, uh, he needed people to fill in certain shoes. And I ended up being that person because I was very yeah. diligent, very committed to the job and uh, committed to him. And yeah. hence he ended up being committed to me uh, professionally. So it, uh, it became a very good working relationship. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, to, just <laughs> to go back a little bit, um, you, you said that you're the, the son of, of immigrant parents. On on IMDb, it has your your name. Is it is it too personal to get you to pronounce your actual the name? You know your actual name that you. <laughs> no, it's not personal because I lived with it for so many years on my yeah. birth certificates and my passports, which I've changed. Not, not to be rude, but it looks like a mouthful. But I bet you it's really easy for you to pronounce. Well, it's, no, it was very difficult, you know, to, to pronounce it. And it always it threw it a lot of insecurities my way because when you're going to school and you're dealing with teachers who can't really pronounce your name, you just, you know, just adds to the insecurities of being a young student. So the name of being the birth 
Martin of Evrimachos Kiriakakis is not an easy name, even for Greeks, it's not an easy name. It's not like Neil Vardalos or John Stamos or something to that effect. This is a real ancient Greek name, the first name, and then the last name is a Cretan name. And uh, over the years, Evrimachos changed to Marco, and so I use it as Marco Kyriakakis. And then later on, I changed it uh, in my 20s to Kyrus, and then legally. And it just felt like it was the right move to make moving forward in a very North American ambiance, being the heritage, but 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 making a, a name simpler so the conversation doesn't become your name, which yeah. it always did. Whatever you said, yes, it was like, oh, you're Greek, oh no, what a long name, and that it always took 10 minutes to get past that interview. Yeah, and so yeah. I didn't want it to be all about the name, so I just changed it, very generic Greek name, yeah. and uh, it worked a lot better, so it's not a conversation piece anymore. Right, yeah, because I was, I was just looking at that, and I was like, wow. Wow, yeah. I, I don't even know where to start, and I know some Greek people too. And yes. um, <laughs> you know, I'll run. The it point. was it was it was tough because it, it brings out a lot of insecurities because you have to explain that name to everybody you right. met, yeah. and uh, the entire fo- focus of a conversation ended up being that name, and I didn't know much about it. Right? Yeah, yeah, incredible. Anyway, yeah. So let's let's get into the. Um, into the into the Nick Cage movies, I, I thought about a way to do this, and I thought, well, you know, you must have memories from from some of the different films, and obviously we, we don't have time to really go through all of them. But I thought, is, is would it be alright if I randomly like pick a couple, and and you can yeah. maybe tell me tell me something from them? All right. Well, obviously I'm a huge con. Uh, well, do I want to start with Conner? Do I want to save it for last? Should I save the best okay. for last? Um, I might start with I might start with leaving Las Vegas, the Oscar-winning performance of Nicolas Cage. What was what was the experience on uh, leaving Las Vegas? It was intense. It was I would say it was quietly intense. Yeah. It was uh, it was a great film to be on because I didn't know what to expect. You know, I'd already done a couple of films with Cage, and they were bigger films, and they were a little louder on set and not as serious. And then you came into this what looked like a high-end student film, but uh, low-key in demeanor, but but you realize you're with a bunch of uh, actors who are, you know, veterans of, of not only, you know, film, but theater. And uh, me just being this little lonely stand-in, uh, getting paid a measly 14 bucks an hour, um, I was working about 14 hours a day on this film, which took about five weeks to shoot in Los Angeles and uh, in total. Well, four weeks in Los Angeles, a few days in Las Vegas and Laughlin, Nevada. So that was a, a week in Nevada, basically. But uh, it was an intense film. Uh, the subject matter was very intense. Uh, I didn't understand it much that somebody wanted to kill themselves through drinking. Um, but uh, it was very interesting, and, and it was a very quiet set. Uh, it was a very respectful set, and everybody was very quiet and kind of, you know, did their own thing with the part that they were given. Yeah. And uh, nobody, um, uh, you know, intervened with anyone else if they didn't need to because the director kind of set the tone that this is a real actor's actor film. Yeah. And uh, and we all respected that. And I, and I think Nick saw that everybody around him respected that as well. Right. No, that's very cool. Very cool. Now, one thing... And and I'll bring up your documentary in a bit of detail again a little bit after, little, little mm-hmm. later on. But one of the things I thought was interesting in the trailer, which is which is um, which people will be able to watch when this goes live on the site, um, 
one of the things I thought was interesting is sometimes you said that you were asked to actually perform the line and you do your little your Nicolas Cage uh, mm -hmm. thing. That's that was very interesting. I didn't realise that that was part of it. You know, not that I'm saying I thought you guys were a seat warmer, but you know, mm -hmm. I didn't realise that that was part of it. That's very interesting. Is that is that is that something that's common or uncommon? It's it's uncommon, but it's it's only sometimes you do off camera dialogue. Yeah. Um, when it be when it comes to um what they call day player actors. Yeah. Uh, not not you know actors who were there for a week or or a month on a film set, just kind of like somebody who's playing the mailman, and that would be on the turnaround side. So that's on that's sometimes. Other times, when you're setting up the shot, sometimes you go, you go through the lines just to get the momentum and the mood of how the character would be walking and these are all guessing games on my end while I studied in a cage you know I don't do it in in his voice I just you know I was playing with that in the teaser film but I would never do it that way I'm kind of like reading the lines and going through the beats oh, okay, right, to work right. with camera right. so it's it's more of a technical beat oriented uh, movement right. versus his character driven um, uh, movements that you see actually on screen you're right. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, okay. Because nobody you. can really be that guy. Like, no. you can, even if you try, like, you can fool around and play with it a bit, but you're never going to be that guy. Right, right. Yeah, no, totally. Bro. I just thought, I thought that was, I didn't realize it was just for, like, you know, you, you know, telling the story, like a storytelling adage. I thought, I thought, well, that's kind of cool. He has to be Nicholas, like literally be Nicholas Cage. You know? No, physically, like you wear your hair, makeup, wardrobe, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you wear a wig, sometimes you right. bleach your hair, yeah. you know, you dye your hair, you wear your lips to make sure you're tall enough for him. Right. Now, those things I did all the time on a film set. Right, yeah. But uh, the yeah. rest of the stuff, no, you let the actor act, right. and uh, and then I, I play around with it a bit, but, you know, it's, yeah. it's uh, it is so not part of what you do right okay no cool no it just it just your your nicholas cage impersonation was wonderful i thought yeah thanks thanks yeah because i like i was like oh does that mean like I, I i did a bit of research and i don't know if you're familiar but there's a there's a couple of <clears throat> places on the internet i suppose there's a lot of places for everything on the internet but there's places on the internet where they have polls for the most famous Nicholas Cage line in a movie. Mm -hmm. Nicholas Cage movie. And hands down the winner, I was I was a little bit surprised. I thought it might have been some other ones, but it's, you know, put the bunny back in the box. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So I was cuz I was going to say, "Hey, can you do <laughs> Did you get to do that line?" <laughs> <laughs> in Nicholas Cage voice on the set, that would have been so <laughs> put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> We all kind of did it and played with it because yeah. he did it so well, and uh, and it really stuck, and it, it kind of made the film. It was mm. uh, the crew members. We were just kind of playing around with it because the line was funny, yeah. and then Nick said it in a very serious way, which made it even funnier. Yeah, <laughs> it was great, and it was surprising. Okay, so let's do another one. Let's do The Rock. Can we do The Rock? What was The Rock like? The Rock was hard. The yeah. Rock was, uh, you know my first action film and, and obviously Cage's first action film yeah. and uh, fortunately he's physically fit so he can run and jump and do 
all those things that you see him do. Right. Of course, as a stunt guy, but you know he's he's very athletic, right. and I'm the opposite of athletic. So it was very difficult for me to be on that set, especially standing in and sitting on the rock and you know lying down and you know falling apart in prison and all that stuff while you're on Alcatraz and it's and it's freezing cold and there was rats everywhere and mm-hmm. you know I would say it was fairly miserable for the most part to be on that film set. It was extraordinary to be on Alcatraz all hours of the night. So yeah. we basically had VIP access to everything, but it was a you know, very difficult shoot and to come and go out of the rock, you know, I mean with with a with a, a cargo uh, boat. It was you know, it it was it was tough. I would say the hours were were very very long and cold and damp. Right. Uh, he took it very well and he just he just ran with it the entire time. Right. I was a little more on the misery side. Right, yeah, yeah, no. Did um did Sean Connery have a stand in that you had to stand in with? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, all, all the stars have a stand in. Oh, okay, well. Wow. Yeah, he definitely had a stand in. Yeah, yeah. Not a not a regular fly around stand in like I was kind of thing, oh, but right. okay. but a, a really good guy. And yeah. he I, he was a local person in San Francisco. Yeah. Um you know, he didn't look like him at all, but he had the silver hair and stuff, right, but he okay. was a nice man. Because I was about to say, did Sean Connery's stand-in look like Sean Connery? <laughs> you know, I no, you, I not you, at all. I suppose you would have to be, you know, sort of a, you know, the same build and, and you know, that sort of thing, but obviously... Yeah, the stunt guy was, but not that. Remember, at the yeah. time also, Mr. Connery was not really doing many films, right. so he didn't need to have somebody around him. You needed, you needed with... Big stars are up and coming stars like Nick Cage or John Travolta. Oh, okay, right, so right. those people have more regular people because they can employ those people film after film yeah, versus yeah. somebody like Connery is maybe one film a year like Sean Penn, right. maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense to hover around one of those people. Right. Uh, the people who need you, it's, it's like being a boss and you need a secretary, which you can only hire somebody once a week. Okay, they're right. going to look for another job. Right, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, so it wouldn't have been <laughs> in the latter years, you know, Mr. Connery's stand in was, you know, in the soup lines. Um, <laughs> right. So let's have a look at another one. Let's go. Let's go. What do we got? Ooh, gone in 60 seconds. Mm hmm. That was filmed all in the LA area. Yeah, two Rogers do make a run. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a fun film to work on, but it was uh, a lot of locations, um, a lot of splits. We worked days, then we worked splits, then nights, then splits, then days, then nights. So the hours were really up and down. But um, the crew was very cool, and the cast was very cool, and the cars were definitely very cool. So, um, and Angelina Jolie standing, who I worked with all day, every day, uh, was just a dream to be around. Right. Thank goodness. Uh, she was she was a pro. She was just on the ball. The yeah. girl was just perfect. So it made it very easy. I mean, many times you don't have people that you're going to work with who really know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, this girl, along with a few others, the ones on Face Off were just excellent, and on uh, City of Angels and Adaptation, the ladies I got to work with there were just, they were as good as me, if not better. Um, you know, they were just, I was very fortunate to have those people around me. Right, very cool. Two Rogers didn't make a right. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, jeez. So many choices. Um, I, I, one, of, one of my favorite performances of Nick that I really thought he should have got some sort of award for was Adaptation. 
or was that mm-hmm. okay? adaptation seems like it was very you know I mean compared to something like the rock that's got to be like you know a tea party yeah I mean it, it actually was like a tea party I liked it because a lot of it was on stage and then the rest of it was uh, in what I would call soothing location uh, locations kind of stagnant locations except for when we did the Florida you know water scenes but that was in a studio back lot yeah. so it wasn't that difficult um it was, you know, bouncing back and forth between wardrobe things is was was pretty much the the most of it for me. And wearing a you know a mock fat fat suit, he wore like a real prosthetic. So for him, it was very difficult. He was hot in it, sweaty in it, and he had to bounce back and forth uh, in character. And I have to tell you, he didn't miss one line, not a beat. That guy. As much as you think he may miss something, he didn't. He just bounced back and forth and back and forth. Right. Wow. It was really incredible. So to watch him play those parts yeah. and uh, and be that focused, that was a treat for me. I have to say. Yeah. It was a very calm set. Yeah. No. It's, yeah. It's, I, I think I think I've always been of the opinion that Nicholas Cage is a lot better actor than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean. Obviously, you know, the, the, when they talk about the difference between actors and movie stars, which you've probably heard before, like a movie star mm-hmm. convinces you he's someone else, right? Yeah. Whereas an actor really, you know, puts on the weight, shaves his head, does all sorts of stuff, you know, to to become the character where a movie star kind of... And I always got the feeling they, they were trying to lump him in movie star, right? But really, I think he's both. I think he's a hybrid. I think he is. Uh, I think because he is. I think, you know, I mean, Christian Bale is more of an actor than a movie star. Yeah. And Sam Rockwell, I think, is a real thespian actor more than a big movie star. But I thought Cage was both. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, did, you, did yeah. you see that one he did? I don't know if it got a theatrical release in America. It was only a DVD release here. It was uh, mm-hmm. Army of One. Yeah, I never saw that, no. uh, to tell you the truth, so I... Hello? Hello? Hey, Kent. Yeah. Um, yeah. That happens once in a while. Okay. That's all right. Yeah, I, I think they're on corner, so you're just going to continue if that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. I just, uh, I, I, while we have a little more time here to ask a few more questions. Yeah, that's all right. And we're I still just, rolling on this end. Yeah, that's cool. No, I just uh, I just wondered if it was you or me, but it's all right. I'll I'm not sure. It could be uh, yeah. on these cordless phones. I'm not sure. Yeah. All right, then. So, yeah. Um, but Army of One, as I was saying, is uh, if you get to see it at some point, tremendous performance mm-hmm. i couldn't believe it it was really you know for a, for it seems like an independently financed film uh it was uh it was it was really well done really well done mm, okay um, okay so um yeah. what's another one i want to ask you about oh yeah brian de palma love brian de palma snake eyes what was working on snake eyes uh, it was good. I mean, I you know, part of it was done in Atlantic City, and that was kind of cool yeah. to be at the Taj Mahal Hotel for the casinos. And then the rest of the time, we were in Montreal, which was, to me, phenomenal. So the idea of being in Montreal is, is always a good choice, and it was uh, summertime going into fall. 
and uh, working in the uh, in the uh, forum in the Montreal Hockey Forum uh, was good. I mean, despite having seven thousand extras and a lot of hours and intensity, you know, going around with with that many people, I have to say that it was a, a pleasurable film to be on. Cool. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was good ambient. I mean, Brian De Palma kept himself. They were the above the line guys, you know, the yeah. the actors, the director, cinematographer. Yeah. They were they did their own thing with with the within themselves. But yeah. I had a good time with the camera guys, uh and uh they were very helpful all the way. Right. Very cool. Yeah. All right. We'll save the best for last. Con air. Put the bunny back in the box. What was that uh, Yeah. What was um, And he did put the bunny back in the box. He put that damn wig back in the box after the movie was done. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did not like the wig. Yeah, that was a... Uh, and he looked good in that wig, I have to say. You know, it was just that long, straggly hair thing. I oh. mean, I had to wear that wig on a few photo shoots. Right, right. And I looked like Tiny Tim, so it was uh, not a good look. Right, yeah. Now, that, isn't it funny? That's one of the most iconic images of him. You know, when he steps mm-hmm. off the bus and the wind catches his hair and he does that little smile. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's become part of cinema history, I think. Um, <laughs> it is, and he was writing character the entire time. Yeah, that's uh, well. I mean, that that looks like it was a, a nice, hot, dry place to hang out for quite a while. That was miserable to me. Right. So it was it was in Utah, Nevada, and it was summertime. It was a hundred degrees Fahrenheit, right. and uh, you know, between the the sandstorms and the windstorms, and you're just out in the desert. There was there was no escape. You had to be there yeah. in the sun, or you had to you know hang out in the airplane or something. There was a, uh, you know, it's not, it's not my kind of thing. My kind of thing is hanging out in Montreal so you can go to cafes and bars after work. Right, right. But uh, there you had nowhere to go, but it's your little shitty motel right. uh, off the off the side dirt road and then go to bed. Right. Uh, it, was, it wasn't my kind of film to work on. The best part of it was when we got to move back to L.A. Right. and then do these studio shots and at least we were on stage. Right. And at least I was in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. It was a tough film in those, right. on those locations. So I've got to ask the question because you were, you know, essentially part of of uh, Mr. Cage's entourage for so long. Did you get to know the man beyond the public persona? Yeah, I mean, you don't. He's a very private person, and yeah. I think he's very protective of his uh, of his brand and his uh, and his family. Yeah. And everybody around us, meaning our entourage, we all respected that. Yeah. So we didn't in, indulge in questions like when we were hanging out and you're sitting on set and you have, well, you know, we all small talked, but you don't ask in depth questions yeah, because it's yeah, just yeah. it's not the right thing to do. No, no. Um, you know, he volunteered uh, stuff and stories and fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we've wined and dined enough between all of us. I don't just mean he and I, but I mean like the entourage. We all had those nights out, and it's it was nice and fun. Yeah. But uh, they're not super in-depth conversations because we yeah. work for him. Yeah. And, uh, and we enjoy that part of it. Yeah. But uh, he's got his buddies, just like you would have your work buddies, yeah, and right. then you have your real buddies. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, sure. But is I, I guess my question is, is he the kind of bloke that because you were this in this part of his life and he saw you on the street, would he stop and say g'day? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I believe he would. He'd stop and say, hey, Marco, how you doing, man? You know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he would. Yeah. 
I think it's in him. And now more than ever, I think he's opened up even more now. I mean, you know, you, you hit a certain age, you're over 50, yeah. you kind of live through a lot of stuff, yeah. divorces, kids, all that kind of stuff, and, right. and you put a lot of things behind you in life. Right. Anyway, let's get to the, let's get to the meat of it. Let's talk about your film now. Uncaged is the title. Um, yeah. The stand, a stand-in story. Um, tell 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 us about the the film. What pr- pr- prompted you to to make it? You know all that type of thing. Uh, well, it's a short, so I just I wanted to make it um, because I've thought about it for a good decade, yeah. and uh, I thought it's a story that should be told because it's not told in Hollywood, and stand-ins are not known or talked about at all, yeah. and it just happens to be coinciding with with all the publicity about standards in Hollywood yeah. at the same time this past winter we shot this last summer yeah. I didn't realize there was gonna be such hype during the Academy Awards and and this award season it just kind of like fluked into it at the same time yeah. I was always gonna do it no matter what so I brought in uh, the two guys uh, one guy was my social media guy and the other guy helped me do some podcasts and helped me out with you know all technical stuff yeah. but he was a film um, he was a documentary uh, filmmaker and a film graduate uh, his name is Kelly and then the other guy Blake um, uh, was a social media graduate but also both of them were, were fans of cages and, uh, and they knew what I wanted to do and so we kind of like worked out what we wanted to do in a short and they had very good vision in how to push the buttons and ask the right questions and you know put it out on stage and then film it and then edit it as as they both did yeah. so um they they seemed to be the right guys to have done this short and and yeah. i wanted you know disco music and greek music in there because i wanted it to tell the story of where i came from yeah. what my savior was which was disco back in the 1970s yeah. and where i'm at today right so it's just a, a 11 12 minute mini 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 me bio of my life and work yeah. with cage yeah. and then where i'm at today in a very settled state of mind very cool very yeah cool so yeah i mean because it's it, it is i mean i i think it i think they're fascinating stories um look i've i've talked to a few stunt well not stand-ins but stunt players like i yeah. said peter kent who was arnold schwarzenegger's guy for for you know, ten, twelve years. Um, oh, I forget her name now. It's going to disappear. But she was, oh, shocking. I'll have to for, for her. <laughs> oh, forgive me. I don't know if she's ever listening to this. But she was Renee Russo's uh, stunt woman. Stunt, stunt oh, okay. Standing. Yeah, for a long time. I just, oh, her name's just gone completely out of my. That's head. okay. It happens all the time. Right, I miss yeah. it so all the time. If she's listening to this. I might go back and digitally put it. <laughs> I'll fix it in yeah. the post. I'll put a, her name in. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I, I think it's I think it's incredible because you, you know, if 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 you have the privilege of being someone a, a particular star's, you know, stand in, and and when they are so eclectic in their choices of the films that they do, like I've I. Nick Nick Cage is a classic example of someone who is very eclectic. Um, of the you know, I mean, he does the big action movies, but he also does like adaptation, right? He uh, yeah, a big know, variety of stuff. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, like there's, he's, you know, I mean, I suppose he could have been like if 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 he wasn't so eclectic, 
he might have just been one of those guys that did action movie after action movie, and probably would have, and probably would have petered out a lot sooner, um, than you know doing this uh, such a broad cross section of characters and and films, whether they be small artistic films or or, or tentpole action movies. Yeah. But you know, yeah. So it's it's um it's uh, I, I think your story, like any other, um really sort of specialised uh, personage in, in the film industry is, is always incredible and it, it was really wonderful to hear that not only you you have made this this little film um, but uh, have joined us today to share uh, these wonderful stories. It's been an absolute uh, really cool uh, pleasure to talk with you, Marco. Thanks, Kent. It's good. you know the short is going to be um, at the Melbourne Documentary Film oh, Festival cool. in July. It airs, cool. so it will be there if you're anywhere near Melbourne. Of course, it's hours away from you, but um, it's going to be uh, it's screening. I think two nights there. Mm-hmm. I will not be there, but uh, it is screening there, so it did get into it. So oh, right. you know, cool. there's obviously a fan base down there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, huge. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. Even, yeah. Nick, when Nick Cage comes out, I mean, everyone's looking forward to. Uh, man, I mean, the man is relentless. I mean, how many movies has he done in like the last couple of years? It's it's crazy. No, I don't know. The guy never stops working. Yeah. Does he just? Does he just really? It. He really just loves what he does. He doesn't. He's not doing this because. Oh yeah, I've got to be in as many movies as possible. He just really loves this this gig, right? That's what I think. I think he's just constantly reinventing himself, character after character, film after film. Yeah. I've always seen that in the past, and uh, and he just, you know, he's in this indie kind of world right now, and then he's going to go back into blockbusters. I'm I'm positive. Right, right. Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what the uh, what the aging Nicolas Cage does next. But we're also yeah. we're also we're also very very keen to hear. And see what uh, my Marco Kairos does next. And uh, yes, I, I, yeah. you... I will keep you posted on it. <laughs> I wish you. But, but thank you on that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I wish you. I wish you whatever it is you go on to do. I hope it's successful. <laughs>